Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good evening to another edition of the Houston Round Ball Review presents Folks Talking Sports, sponsored by Five Star Properties. I'm Chris Gardner, one of the hosts. Joining me is Andy Inez, one of the youngest lions of the show. And I guess, judging by his background, there he made it back from Fertitta Center very quickly. Andy, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Chris. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Well, am I right? You're back home from Fertitta Center? Yes, sir. So why were you there? Uh, just for availability. I spoke with uh, Calvin Sampson after their practice. Uh, that went long. They started their practice a lot later than, than initially was expected. So did he have anything, tidbits to share about Monday's matchup against Paul Roberts? Uh, he did. He talked about, um, well, in, in specifically regarding the, the guard matchup that they're, they're going to have to keep an eye on um, with Oral Roberts. But just overall, I mean, I, I just got home. I need to process what he, what he said. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Max A. Smith, Oral Roberts, uh, one of the leading scorers, scoring guards in college basketball. So that matchup with him going against... Marcus Sass and Jamal Shedd should be a fun one. Or Roberts will be in, in Houston for another game because they'll face Texas Southern on Tuesday. All these games are part of the Cool Classic for this year, the 2022 Cool Classic. And then Wednesday, Texas Southern will play Houston. So it's Houston, Or Roberts Monday, Or Roberts TSU Tuesday, then TSU Houston Wednesday. Uh, at HNPE as well as Partita Center. So some good basketball for these next three days on the college level if you are already tired of the Houston Rockets. So just keep that in mind. The Rockets are 2-11 and and struggling. But Andy Yanez, Texas Southern, defeated Arizona State as part of the Pac-12 SWAC Legacy Series. TSU won today in overtime. By a score of 67-66, I was not there. I was taking part in a funeral ritual for my mom and put on, presented by her sorority, Delta Sigma Theta, this afternoon. It's a very lovely tribute to my mom and another uh, woman who passed away, Mrs. Helen Wheatley Kemp. So that was very nice. But TSU won, and based on the play-by-play, TSU won on a last-second putback in overtime by a freshman wow. guard. And let me get this, this first name correct. Zytarius Mortal. TSU was down 66-65 after two free throws by Arizona State's Frankie Collins. The Tigers missed a jump shot with seven seconds left. Got the offense rebound. That tip shot was missed with six seconds left. Then Zaytarius got the rebound of that and scored with four seconds left. Tigers got the win after they stole a pass from Arizona State to seal the victory. So that's another win for the SWAC over the Pac-12 because a few days ago, Grambling beat Colorado. And Colorado mm-hmm. beat Tennessee today in Tennessee. So fun basketball. We can talk about the fun basketball from the Houston Cougars men's basketball side. We're not going to spend too much time talking about U.S. women's basketball, Andy. Uh, they're 0-2 start the season. Uh, they lost to Louisiana first open the season, and they lost at New Mexico Saturday afternoon. 
if you want to touch on that, you can. Or you just go right into men's basketball for UH. Your your choice. I mean, uh, let's talk a little bit about the women's because um, obviously, like you said, they're off to, to – to not the the best of starts, they're zero two, and you know both of those games they've had uh, the struggles offensively. Now um, they haven't played a home game yet. That's going to be this upcoming Tuesday. But um, I think, in particular, you know the offensive struggles have been. Um, I think the thing that's big, the biggest story for them has been the struggles of Layla Blair offensively early to start the game. Even though she did have eight points shooting wise, um, she didn't necessarily have the best shooting night from the field. She's struggling. I think Brittany Anije is also struggling, and that's their two main offensive threats. They combined, I think, in the first game of the season to go two for 20, and they lost 55-48. So you only give up 55 points, and you still lose by seven. So that's more of a struggles on offense. Yesterday against New Mexico in New Mexico, another road game. The offense just isn't clicking yet. They're struggling to shoot from three. Just not getting over the hump right now. Turnovers here and there at bad moments. They were unable to get rebounds to seal defensive possessions. They're doing just enough not right to lose. And 0-2 start. Louisiana and New Mexico aren't really – the heavy hitters of Houston's non-conference schedule on the women's basketball side because they got some other opponents, Florida State, Florida, Washington State from Power 5 conferences that on paper should be more difficult. So it could be more struggles for women's basketball for, for UH before conference play even begins. And keep in mind that they were picked to finish the second in the AAC preseason poll. So what now, Andy, for UH women's basketball if things don't go well this season? Well, if things really don't go well, I think, you know, you have to uh, make a change. Do you, how, how likely do you think that, that'll be, Andy? Well, are we talking about another similar season that they've had the last couple of seasons where they reached the semifinals of the, the conference tournament? Um, or the bottom falling out because I think it's it's really likely if the bottom falls out, um, if if they have a similar season that they've had the last few the last couple of seasons, I think it's a much tougher conversation. Um, I don't think it should be, but I think it does become one. And I think really, if you at this point, um, if, if they do have a similar season that they have had the last couple of seasons, I think you reach a point where you've kind of plateaued and hang, heading into the Big 12. I don't think that's what you uh, necessarily want um, from that program heading into the new conference. So I think we're talking expectations then for women's basketball. We've said many times here on Folks Talking Sports, Coach Huey and Coach Sampson were hired roughly at the same time to take over at Houston. They're both in their ninth seasons at UH as head coaches. Look at the success of Coach Huey compared to Coach Sampson. Coach Huey has yet to take his team to the NCAA tournament. Came close once. They were first in the first four out in the COVID season. But he has not 
gotten his team to the NCAA tournament. So expectations. And expectations, we're going to tie that into something Coach Hogerson said in football postgame yesterday mm-hmm. regarding expectations. And his answer kind of surprised you, surprised Akif, and really bothered Dayon Dunlap. So after Houston's come-from-behind win over Temple, going against a freshman quarterback for Temple, E.J. Warner, Kurt Warner's son, threw for almost 500 yards against the Cougs' defense. Clayton Toon led the Cougs to the game-winning drive in the final minutes. So, but after the game, Akibas, Coach Hogerson, if being bowl eligible was what good enough, basically considering the expectations coming into the season for the football team. And Coach Hogerson said, basically, well, those expectations were come on the outside, were external, not inside the program. So bowl game, yes, we're good with it. What, do you, what, what was your reaction then? Have you changed your tune today from yesterday? Uh, I, I have had a chance to go back and, and listen to that clip again. Um, and certainly, like Aki mentioned, there was certainly a change in tone when, when he was asked that question in regards to the, to the bowl game. It was an interesting response. Certainly, if, if you're a, a Houston supporter, I'm not so sure that's an answer you want to hear in regards um, to those expectations because – um, I mean, he's not wrong in regards to who is putting the expectations when it comes um, to being picked as the, the top favorite team to, to win the American Athletic Conference. It comes uh, from from opposing coaches and, and stuff like that. But the big question is that they obviously they did have players, numerous players, um, go on the record and say that their goal for this season was to accomplish what they couldn't do a season ago, which was to not only make the American Athletic Conference championship game, but also win that game in their final year in the American. Um, and it's something that looks like they're going to fall short from. Um, I think I saw a tweet from Goku.com. I think they put that, or it, they quoted something, but long story short, that Houston has a 1% chance to make the American Athletic Conference championship game. Um, they would require a lot of teams to lose, including um, obviously Central Florida, uh, Tulane, and, and Cincinnati in the final two weeks. So for all intents and purposes, Houston is pretty much out of the American Athletic Conference picture, um, which is disappointing. Now, granted, they have had to deal with injuries. I think the biggest one that that, that comes to mind is that of Derek Parrish that um, really changed how that defense has been able to essentially not really be able to pressure opposing quarterbacks, certainly not on a, on a consistent basis since he went down but I think it's something that Clinton Toon acknowledged. I've asked him the same question, um, and he did say, you know, he, I mean, he gave the perfect answer. He said that a bowl game is something to celebrate as a team just because, you know, when you look at all the different teams across the country, not everyone gets to qualify for a bowl game, um, especially one that's down the road in College Station. They're not going to qualify for a bowl game, and, and they were – they had way more higher expectations uh, sure. than Houston did coming into the season, so – um, that is something it obviously they haven't had the season they expected coming into the season, but the bottom hasn't necessarily fallen out, uh, especially on the offense. There's some stuff there to salvageable, especially the, the high level of play from Clayton Toon. 
Um, and something that Tabo Waniki said, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to play an extra game as a team, which um, I know for the fans, whatever bowl game they, they get, you know, they essentially, once they, they lost to uh, Texas Tech, and certainly once they lost to Kansas, the, the fans started saying, well, that's not really a high chance that they get a New Year's Six Bowl, so who cares? Um, but I think it's still a testament to the team overall, and it's something that Hogerson said, oh, they they continue to fight, so we're going to celebrate that in regards to, to, to being able to win, which there's – there's it, it, it. There, it is a valid point, but um, I don't think that's something that you can get away with, especially where you were picked coming into the season. Injuries happen; they're a part of the game. But I think certainly, if if you had a bit of truth, Serum Hogerson would say that you know that's not they're not satisfied with just making a bowl game. And Tony M, thank you for chiming in and for folks watching this. Not anybody. Um, well, yeah, the Aggie, Aggies can't make a bowl game. Gig them. I love saying that. I haven't heard from any of my Aggie friends for, for a while, and I wonder why. Why why, why is that, Andy? What, why do you think? I haven't heard from Aggie friends. They're all trying to, to coordinate to, to get a, a buyout. All that money y'all wasted on that, man. Oh, it's just, it warms my heart to see y'all suffering. <laughs> it really does. Because y'all are very arrogant when it comes to football and such limited success. But anyway, <laughs> but yes, going to a bowl game, I mean, they're like 40 bowls. Okay, you win six yeah. games. But I mean, who, last year they won 11 games and they played a six-win Auburn yes. team. The Cougs were picked to win the conference in the preseason. They were picked to play in the AAC title game. They're going to fall short, barring a miracle, barring everything breaking for them correctly. It's not going to happen. That's a failure. Okay, you fell short of that goal. As you said, the players, it was their goal to get to the AC championship game and win it this year. They fell short. Six and four is what the record. You are what your record says you are. You're six and four. Jumping the gun. I think they're going to lose Saturday to East Carolina. Make them six and five. And then they'll play Tulsa in a game no one cares about. Finish seven and five. So a blah season. But Andy. If they do finish seven and five, Andy, Tony M, folks watching us on, on Folks Talk Sports as well as on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel, seven to five is less than eight and four. Andy, even if they win a bowl game, eight and five is less than eight and four, right, Andy? Yeah, it is. Well, certain people at UH said years ago, we fire folks who go eight and four. Well, what are you going to do if they go eight and five, seven and six? And to talk about the money part of it, you got some tweets about, well, if, unless you got a check, unless you can write a check for $20 million, then we'll be here on and on and on. So let's touch on that. <clears throat> How much, <clears throat> excuse me, clearing my throat, got a frog in my throat. I guess I got what Andy had a few days ago. Um, oh, don't say that. <laughs> How much money has been raised for the Houston Rise campaign? Um, last time they gave an update, they had raised north of fifty million, I believe. Or, uh, okay, so fifty million, and I think basketball specific, Mister Mars donated two million. I think that's going straight to basketball. If he has direct saying how he wants the money spent, 
But let's say it's 50 million. I think it's more since then. Yeah, absolutely. That update came. It might have been, I think it was in October. It might have been even earlier than that. So maybe four weeks ago. So they've had some more announcements about updates, donations. So 50 million, let's say it's 60 million now. Andy, 60 million is more than 20 million. So I'm what I'm saying is there are wealthy alums who have made pledges, donations, contributions to the Houston Rise program. Why can't they put their money together and get rid of Anna Hogerson if they want to? If they don't, then you stick with what you got. And that's the question. As Dayon touched on it, as I asked the viewers to touch on it, we're going to hold Dana to his word. Expectations. Because it seems like, based on yesterday's comments, post-game comments, he's trying to set the bar low next season. New conference, new quarterback, young quarterback in the system, all those great things. But give us time to get adjusted into the Big 12, etc. So if we only win four games in conference play next year, don't be mad. Don't blame me. Or three games in Big 12. Three, three games in conference play. That's not good enough, Andy, for the University of Houston. President Couture said we're going to the Big 12 to compete for championships, right? That's what she said. You're right. Chris Pegler said we're going to the Big 12 to compete for championships, not to be middle of the pack. Something that Hogerson himself has acknowledged. He said my bosses want to be competitive in the Big 12. So as Joe Mendez says, once they get those Big 12 checks, they'll buy them out and move on. Why wait that long? But we don't know what the administration is going to expect next season for the first year of for football in the Big 12. What if there will be what if they'd be happy with three and six in conference play in the Big 12? Coos win their three non-conference games, go three and six in conference play, finish six and six. Hey, that's bowl eligible. Hmm. But only three and six in the Big 12. So Joe, Tony. Folks watching on Brown Bar Review and folks talking sports on Twitter, would a three and six record in the Big 12 in conference play make you happy, satisfy you to warrant Dana getting another year, a second year in the Big 12? Hit me up in the comments. Ask, let Andy and me know what you think about a three and six season. I don't think they're going to win three games in conference play next year, but three wins in conference play. Would that suffice? If President Couture says or expects, and she won't say it to us publicly, but privately says, okay, well, I expect us to be competitive in the Big 12, and that means going, winning, finishing above 500 in conference play. If they don't, then he should go, right? Yeah. So Joe says three and six in conference play is not good enough. To bring Dana back. So and I, I agree. So that's that's it, it's gonna come down to the expectations of the administration because you're getting more and more tweet replies, responses. A lot of fans are fed up with Dana. 
the product on the field, his answers, how he carries himself in post game. I have not seen you let me know. Have you come across someone who is defending Dana for his coaching acumen and wants to bring him back because of that? Not because of the money involved, but because they believe he's a good coach. No, I have not. Neither have I. So if 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 that's the issue, if if money is the only reason to bring him back, that's a problem. Tony M. Comment. It's not about record for me. He, meaning Dana, does not come across as a good enough leader to me. Andy, you had a tweet. Talk about the tweet you got about, uh, I think a fan said they turned off. They were listening and turned it off. And they were close to just not caring about football. Right? Something similar to that tweet? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find it real quick. Um... Because the indifference toward football... When you find it, go ahead and you know mention it, pull it up, post it, share it, etc. Uh, and the reason I'm not doing too many live reads is because our sponsor said as long as we got the info post on the screen, he doesn't want to disrupt the flow of the conversation. <laughs> so, but yeah, just real quick, we'll get one right here at 20 minutes after the hour. This show is sponsored by Five Star Properties, a Dallas-based company owned by a UH alum. If you're facing foreclosure or need to sell your house as is for cash, call, you see on the screen, 972-532-SELL or visit their website at fivestarprops.com. That's F-I-V-E-S-T-A-R-P-R-O-P-S.com. You find it? Yeah, I did. Said so. First, he tweeted out, "I can't watch the game. Even listening to the game is painful." And then he followed it up, and this is at me in H Town on Twitter. That's me in H Town. So first, he said he can't watch the game. Even listening to the game is painful. Now I'll stop listening. He followed it up. He said, "Now I'll stop listening to it. Next stop, not caring or noticing they are playing." And I think that that's got to be the biggest thing that that the administration is. Uh, fearful of apathy, uh, especially once they get into the Big 12. Um, and something that really rallied a lot of fans uh, a couple, I lose track of my days. I don't know if it was one, I don't know if it was one week ago now, or it might've been two weeks ago, but the Joseph Darcher tweet um, had a great story about um, a report that Texas was going to play in Houston mm-hmm. um, this upcoming season, the first year in the Big 12 for Houston. Um which hopefully it would be at TDCU Stadium now. Obviously, that would be a big, they wouldn't have to worry about twenty thousand cracking twenty thousand in that game. Regardless, right. that that would that would probably be the first sellout they have in a long time here at TDCU Stadium. Now, what what color the the people that show up are wearing? That's a different a lot, lot of orange. But yeah, <laughs> um, but that that would it would energize. Um, I think regardless of and you look at the non conference schedule of the teams that they have to play. Um, is next season when the Sam Houston games begin? I, I think so, but no conference schedule. And they have to play Rice as well, so yeah, that's, that's there could be a yeah. There, there could be, and I think UTSA has to play on campus as well. I think that might be the last non-conference. I'm not, I'm not uh-huh. certain of it. Um, I mean, but those are three games that, especially, I mean, say 
for all intents and purposes, Hogerson is back and something he's talked about throughout the season. Recruiting, uh, recruiting, uh, they'll they'll be able to have an up in that once once next season rolls around. So, say so everything goes perfect in a perfect world for Houston, they're three and zero starting uh, the conference portion in their first season in the Big Twelve. Um, whoever that first opponent is, there's been a couple of I don't know, I don't know if it's accurate. There've been a couple of people that have reported it. it'll be TCU that first game at TDCU Stadium. There'll be a lot of hype around that, and um, there's certainly going to be a lot more interest in the program heading into the Big 12. Now, the biggest thing is if that, as we saw this season, there was a lot of hype at the beginning of this season. Um, they they were, like we mentioned, going back to, to the top of the show in regards to expectations with where this program was supposed to be um, to compete for the top of the American Athletic Conference. There's going to be a lot of buzz just to be in the Big 12 next season. There probably won't even be any expectations to win the Big 12. They'll just be buzzed because of your, you're joining the conference. Now, if they continue to struggle, and I mean, they're struggling against American Athletic Conference teams, against Big 12 opponents, um, if they are getting uh, outplayed, if they're getting destroyed in games, or even if they're, they're, if they're not competitive, let's just put it that way, mm-hmm. that will be the quick way to fizzle out all that buzz um, from the fans. And that's the worst thing you could possibly have. Even if you have the boost of the Big 12 TV money and all that stuff, when interest starts to die off, I think that's the, the biggest concern that if you're in the administration, you got to worry about um, the football program and football specifically, because um, I mean, let's be quite frank, a football program is what really brings in the money when it comes from an athletic department standpoint. Um, and if the team's just not good enough to be able to buzz, generate any interest outside of a matchup outside of the initial interest of being a part of the big 12, that's going to be a problem. And that's when um you start to get hurt. And especially if you start falling backwards and backwards um, in that competition against the opposing teams in the big 12, that's really when it's going to hurt you. And bring this comment up from Joe Mendez. <clears throat> if they bring Holgerson back and I think they will, unfortunately, you'll probably need to hire new coordinators on both sides of the ball. What are your thoughts on that, Andy? Well, it's kind of a, a question mark right now. I'll take it, uh, unshameless plug or whatever you want to call it to promote Let's Rage Cougs uh, that we had last night. If you weren't able to check it out, be sure to check it out in the archives here on the Houston Round Ball Review YouTube channel. Um, we're day out. And someone asked a similar question, Do and it was specifically about Doug Belk. Do, did we envision him possibly getting fired? Now, all three of us, Dayon and I, we felt that I think – Concerning what he was able to do last season with the defense, I think that warrants enough keeping him around one more year. That and you gave him a, a million, multi-million dollar extension in the offseason, making him one of the highest paid coordinators in the group of five. He's at a power five level. I think what he was able to do last year bought him at least one only one and they have had injuries that is a valid concern i know every time dan augerson says that he says what i'm about to say nobody cares about he, he does have one that is a valid concern especially on the defense i think belk and and specifically not not just obviously the performance by the defense has been lackluster all season and it's gotten worse um the last couple of weeks but 
when you hear him talk, when you hear the players talk about him, I think that's the most important thing. It seems like they they one they they really respect him. They they acknowledge him as a leader. That's something that um, they've talked about, especially early on in the season, just in terms of not not even stuff that exists in on football field, just in terms of what he means for the team overall. I think that's enough to be able to bring him back. I think even the offense. Yeah, that was the big um, frustration about it. It's kind of funny how it switched. It was a big, the big frustration before the Memphis game was that the Houston offense, it mm-hmm. looked terrible. There wasn't, you know, it, no it, it didn't look calling. Like it. Exactly. Yeah. There was yep. no exciting offense. And since the fourth quarter of that Memphis game, that has not been the case. And a big reason for that, it's Clayton Toon. He's just been able to elevate his game. He gave credit to him. He's been able to find his receivers. He's been able to make plays both with his legs and, and by finding receivers. I think next year it's going to be a completely different thing. The offense is going to, depending on what they do, if it's if it's a scheme or a thing, they're going to struggle because they're going to have a new quarterback there that has to learn. He's going to have growing pains regardless of who's in there unless if they, they get a transfer that's a junior or senior that has experience under his belt, and even then it would still be an adjustment period. I think and that's, the, that's the crazy thing. If they don't fire Doug Belk, I think the offense might have done enough and – if you want to give credit to Clinton Toon, who, who's been on a, a really elite level, <laughs> Chris, I think they've done enough to buy themselves an extra year overall, at least when you come to offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator. See, I think... And I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. I think the administration has boxed themselves into a corner because they should have fired Dana. They had a chance to fire Dana before. The offense... The running running back core going in the next season looks very very promising, very talented. Alton comes back. That just that group That's should true. help the offense, the quarterback, a great deal. But this season, with the higher expectations not happening, has left a sour taste in a lot of mouths of fans. A lot of fans' mouths, whatever. Yeah. So if they don't make any changes to head coach, to coordinator, offense, and or defense, both, whatever, that sour taste is not going to go away because the expectations next year are going to change. They had high expectations. A lot, a lot of folks did, not necessarily me, you, and James, and Will on this show, but a lot of folks did in this conference in the American going into the big 12. I, for football, I have not heard anybody have high expectations for the football program next year because they're probably going to play uh, Cincinnati and UCF at some point in big 12. They're not, the Cougs are not, who are they better than West Virginia? Maybe, maybe if coach Leopold leaves Kansas, the Jets, may to, the Jets may have to start over. Okay, that's two. Two teams. That's not enough. So, Especially in a nine-game conference. Season. Yeah, so the administration has to – they got to balance this out. They got to make a change. If it's Coach Dawson on, on the offensive side, something to give the fans a sign that you care, <laughs> that you care – that, you, that you're trying to make changes because the tackling, it has been a concern all season. The wide open 
receivers, tight ends for opponents has been a big issue as well. The communication has been lacking a, a great deal. So maybe Doug Belk, because if they fire the linebacker coach or they fire the secondary coach, and I think Doug Belk might have dual, dual, dual duties in some of the, one of those positions, that's not enough to make fans be excited about, wait, they made a change. Now they got me, they got my money again. Because going into the Big 12, we joke about it, but it's true. It's been true for years. Fans come to see the opponent. Too many fans come to see the opponent rather than see the Cougs play. Going to the Big 12, it might be 75, 80% Longhorn fans, TCU fans, Baylor fans, who, whatever. Cincinnati fans, what, whatever, who come, come to town for a game. The money's going to be good because you're getting that ticket revenue. But if the majority of those fans, that revenue is coming, ticket sales, is coming from the opposing team's fans, then to me that indicates you have a problem. Your program has a problem. So they, they got to figure this out. They got to balance this. They got to do something to spark interest. Dana's not going to change. He's too old. He's set in his ways. He's not going to change who he is. He's not big on promotion, self-promotion. He's not one of those people. Have you tell me, is there now a football equivalent of Lauren Sampson at UH? Not that I know of. That has to change. Okay. Lauren Sampson has done, continues to do a tremendous job of promoting and marketing UH men's basketball. Football, they've done better with Twitter, things like that. It's gotten better, but it's nowhere close to what Cougs men's basketball does. That has to change. You got to give people fired up. You got to get people to care about your program, about your players, about your staff and your coaches. There's so many fans now, they don't care about Dana Hogerson. Many of them want him gone. So they're not going to come see Dana Hogerson collect his $4.2 million (laughs) next year because they want him gone. So I don't know how they fix it, but at least if you had someone equivalent to Lawrence Sampson for football that would be help ease the pain and help increase marketing and promotion for the football program because they're behind big 12 is it's another step up okay in terms of what you got to do to promote what you got to do to market what you got to do with media then what you got to do to sell tickets what you got to do to recruit all these things have to be done for Houston Cougar football. They've talked a, a lot about being a big-time program. They know we're close to doing the things necessary to be a big-time program in football. You heard it. Coach Sampson said, I think, on the Zoom call about the uh, tip, the tip-off luncheon. Yeah. Lawrence Sampson did that. The basketball program did that. 
not UH Athletics. One more time, Lauren Sampson and her staff handled the Houston Cougars men's basketball tip-off luncheon, not the University of Houston Athletics. Who could do that for football? Nobody. Yet, football is the moneymaker. You can't tell about us. You can't tell about Joe. You can't tell about Tony. What are they doing to promote football? Is it going to be? Has there been? You tell me because I, I don't get much emails for football from UH. Although I talk about and promote the, pro, the program more than a lot of people here in town. Go figure. But has there been a kickoff luncheon, a kickoff reception for football? The closest thing I can think of, and it, it's not even related specifically to the program by itself, it was the, the Bayou Bucket Luncheon that they had that's ahead of the rice game. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's not um, club. That's, that's outside of club. outside of that, I and maybe that, I mean, there's a chance that I I might have missed something outside of that. I don't think so. Um, and, and if you're talking about overall promotion, I guess um, they do have the weekly Dana Hogerson radio show where they do it out at a live um, place, location, in the city. But things like that. Remember weeks ago, I think before the season began. We were surprised to learn about the 46 club, the 46ers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I had never heard of it before. Say that again. You had never heard of that. And that's supposedly the UH football fundraising arm, right? Kind of, sort of. We didn't even know that we had never heard of it. That's a problem. We got to do a better job because, as I said, I've said many times, if we, because I'm an alum, you are too. If we don't promote ourselves, who the hell will? Which goes back to the money issue of it. $20 million. If attendance, I mean, I, I guess the administration will have to be happy with, content with the opposing teams buying the tickets next season rather than Houston Cougar fans buying the tickets. And, and I mean, the, the interesting thing is something that Dana Horst himself has acknowledged, um, even going back to a couple of weeks ago. And he and that's really where it spurred that, that kind of interest in the Big 12 schedule. But he said um, it's going to be it's when he said it was going to be an eye opener when fans fully uh, saw that that first conference schedule in the Big 12, um, which he, he said like a couple of weeks ago is going to be coming out soon. So that, that could be something that gets fully released on the horizon. But. Um, he did say a lot of things have to change overall from a program standpoint, not just um, obviously the big thing that they've been been making noise about that football facility. But he, he talked about uh, game day operations, ticketing is something that he mentioned, marketing and um, all that stuff, all the stuff that honestly gets overlooked at times. Promotion, the biggest yeah. thing. And that's <clears throat> I, I'm not. Try, I'm not bragging, OK? When I say this, but I've Houston Round Bar Review is going on 30 years of existence. I've I covered the Big 12. I've been to Final Fours. I see how big time conferences, not just big time teams, handle media, handle communication, handle content, produce content. And my alma mater falls short. I don't want to see my alma mater fall short. Now, Chris, why why is media important? Why is self-promotion important? 
Well, I'm going to say right now, Andyanis, <clears throat> because we're 40 minutes in, if your house needs too many repairs and you want to sell as is, visit fivestarprops.com. That's F I V E S T A R P R O P S dot com. They are a Dallas based company owned by a UH alum. Coogs helping Coogs. We have to do that. Coogs helping Coogs. We need to help each other get the word out about the program, about this show, about Let's Rage Coogs, about UH football. The volleyball team is rolling. I don't want to jinx it saying, what the winning streak is or was, <clears throat> but they're rolling. Men's basketball rolling. Let's 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 shift gears <clears throat> because we're going to end at the top of the hour, probably a little bit before seven, because we're going to have Texans talk by my man A.D. Moore on this channel as well. He's going to start that at seven to talk about the Texans' loss again <laughs> to today to the Giants. So tanking for the number one pick, we're happy right now. And all right, and let's we're going to since we're going to segue into men's basketball, we got some comments from head coach Kelvin Sampson about Monday's opponent, Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, and what kind of a challenges they pose for you guys? Well, they got almost the same team back to beat uh, Ohio State, and then they beat Florida. Uh, the Abus kid is one of the uh, uh, elite scorers in the country. Um, I think he had thirty some on Ohio State, so. He comes here, has a good game. Nobody should be surprised because that kid can really score on just about anybody. I think the strength of their team, and I think this is one of the reasons why Coach Mills uh, did this game. He's got six Houston kids that will come in here fired up, ready to play, uh, ready to prove something. And then uh, he's got uh, five kids that start breathing their fourth, fifth, or sixth year in college basketball. So it's an older, older veteran team. Uh, uh, they've got four guys that are all high-level three-point shooters, and then they all can drive it. So uh, the key for us is we got to keep the ball in front of us, stay down in the stance, keep them off the free throw line, and uh, guard the three. That sounds easy, you know, but uh, they're, they're, a, they're a difficult, difficult matchup for anybody. Extremely well-coached, guys that can really score, um, and they're picked to win their league. So... This is one of those teams that if you're playing them on a neutral court early in the tor tournament, uh, you, much like UAB, uh, you look at those teams that a lot of people just don't know enough about, that uh, coaches know how good they are. Unless you're a coach or a player, you don't know how good a team is. You just based on what you read. We, we watch them on film and actually evaluate them. So we know how good Joel Roberts is, and they have our full attention. I'm going to have to read quick, it. Yeah, real, real quick. Um, about the local area kids, <clears throat> Demar Williams is from H-Town. He transferred from Arizona State. Cam Ambery from Pearland, a Gavi Lewis Award finalist from 2022. Known him a long time. I covered his dad and his mom when they hooped in college at Houston Christian, well, Houston Baptist way back when. And mom played basketball at Rice. <clears throat> so Isaac Heron, well, Lake Clover III from Port Arthur. Shane Weaver from Sly Falls. So Isaac Heron, also from Texas, uh, Houston, Texas. Eliza Lawrence is from Bel Air, Bel Air High School. So, yes, those kids will be fired up. Family's going to be at the game at Petita Center. So 
going to be competitive. Probably some trash talk <laughs> will be involved on the floor. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see how the Cougs respond, how Jarris Walker responds. Have you found the, the, the spread on it yet, Andy? <clears throat> I, I have it. I can get it to Cougs, you. The Cougs should win. It's a home game. And I'll just put it like that. It's a home game. Cougs should win. Okay. I think it's going to be fun. It should be competitive. I think ORU, they started. They lost their first game of the season to St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. And then they, they came back and beat John Brown. All those guys against poor John Brown. This one man, poor John Brown. Um, that's a joke, people. Um <laughs> But they lost to St. Mary's 78-70. They defeated John Brown Friday, 95-62. Uh, Max Asmus, I'm not going to pull up stats because it's John Brown, but I think he had 14-8 and against St. Mary's in the, the season opener. John Brown, he put up, let's see what he did. It's not, let's see, 6 or 15 from the floor. Out of those 15 attempts, he took 11 threes. So Max Asmus, and it's the last name is spelled A-B-M-A-S, but it's pronounced Asmus. He had he's a guard, six-foot guard. He's averaging like 15 in points and eight rebounds. <laughs> okay. And about four assists as a guard, as really a scoring guard, lead guard kind of player. So not only will he shoot a lot of threes, he gets rebounds as well. So I'm looking forward to that matchup, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be some NBA scouts here in town to watch that game, to watch Oral Roberts against TSU on Tuesday as well. So just look around for Tita Center. Houston. What is it? uh, Just to to your point, I think I overheard someone talking about it yesterday that, yeah, to your point, they expect a lot of uh, scouts to be in attendance at tomorrow's game, and Houston is favored. Um, this is courtesy, courtesy of FanDuel. They're favored by 19 and a half points to beat Oral Roberts um, tomorrow at home at Fertitta Center. Ooh. Which is a <laughs> that's a that's, pretty that's, big spread. That's, that's a big spread. Because mm. I was I was leaning like Coos win by 15 to 20. So I wouldn't bet. I wouldn't. I, I would not bid Joe's money on that game. So Joe, I'm not going <laughs> to bet your money. So I'm not going to make a prediction about the spread on that. But as Cougs fans know, Cougs followers of UH men's basketball, this point is legit. The Cougs culture is instilled in men's basketball program. You can see it from top to bottom. Agree. And that's what Coach Sampson and the staff have built. They've sustained it. And Coach Sampson, he answers that if he were asked a question like I could ask Coach Holgerson, Saturday, Coach Sampson might say a few words similar because, but his wording would be, I'm not worried about preseason rankings. I'm not worried about folks outside this locker room. I know how good we can be, but we're going to be better in December than we were in November. And our goal is to be, be playing our best basketball in March. That's what he would say. He's not concerned. He couldn't care less about being picked to win the American, being third in the, in the preseason polls, then that's not his issue. But he would not phrase it like Dana said. Dana just kind of lowered the bar of expectations right there. When you hear Coach Sampson talk, Coach Sampson just telling you, we'll be a better team near the end of the season than we are now. Start to start the season. That's a heap saying. Dana just kind of poured cold water over everything. Like, well, you know, 
those expectations out there, yeah, we're, we're going to accept our bowl bid and keep it moving. Oh, oh, all right, Andy. All right. So, but yes, be there tomorrow. I'm looking forward to the game. A lot of guard play. I'm kind of curious to see how uh, J1 Roberts, excuse me, got me saying it now, Juwan Roberts <laughs> and uh, Jairus Walker do. Let's talk, let's talk about uh, Friday, the win over St. Joe's on the slick court. No one got injured. That's really my main. Who's won? Because there were some questions whether the game would be called or not, if the game would be completed. Yeah, and, and going off the CBS uh, broadcast, Calvin told them that they, they came real close to, to calling it twice. Um, and, I mean, it, it, it's interesting that it – it really became an issue towards the middle of the second half. Um, that's when they the referees first kind of had the conversation. And then the second one, I found it absurd where there was, there was like about three minutes left in the game and they, they were considering calling it at that point. Um, I think it would have been it would have been uh, it would have been a bad decision. They would have called it now. Granted, um, I think ultimately it wasn't as bad of a hazard as as possibly they, they made it seem i think there was obviously issues with condensation and and in, i guess uh, an army that it took to be able to completely dry off the court um but in terms of the on game perspective specifically you know something that that we touched on again on lots of rich coods um after friday which again if you haven't been able to see that be sure to check it out in the archives on the houston ron bar review youtube channel but you know i think the biggest thing that stuck out from that well a couple things too the I guess three things. The main the main point, one, defensively, Houston was able to uh, force a lot of turnovers. Again, back-to-back games, they forced um, at least 16 turnovers. They forced their opponents to at least commit 16 or more turnovers um, in the games early, and that was really pivotal. Um, it seemed at times like they were swarming. I mean, honestly, it seemed like at times they had seven people on the court um, mm-hmm. at the beginning of the first half against uh, St. Joseph's, and it, it really they, they excelled in transition. Um, there was a couple times where uh, St. Joseph had made baskets and Houston found an open man. There was Walker. He had a, a easy dunk off of, of a made basket. Um, so they, they really excelled at that. I think the other point um, in that aspect of in of itself, Sheriff Walker, he had a good offensive game uh, after a bit of the struggles that he had in the, in the opening game, um, just shooting wise. But he was able to put up the 23 points and he, he continue to, to rebound um with eight which i mean that's that's kind of the emphasis that, that calvin cares about the most it's about being able to get uh, a lot of new faces a lot of the young guys to be able to to go out and rebound that's the thing that's that's a uh, higher priority than just the, the scoring wise and i think jawan roberts as well he had a big night up to 19 points 12 rebound double double and the rebounding at edge in friday's game was just one it was 41 40 uh, so, so which I, is something I, uh, Calvin said after um, today's sure he practice. <laughs> he, he said that yeah, he you know he, he phrased it. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember exactly the thing off the top. He said, but he kind of phrased it in terms of it's a party and they, ha- they everyone has an invitation. They have to get more people, not just Jawan Roberts, to to go out and rebound. They need to get everyone to go out there and rebound. Which again, he said it's a process. Just in terms of as the season progresses, being able to get everyone to to be you know fully commit to, to going in and, and crashing the glass for rebounds. Yep. And, I mean, Ramon Walker did well. Ramon Mark, I think, looks like the guy. Ramon Walker was a big reason why they, they struggled to dry off the court <laughs> on Friday. Yeah. He was always he, he on the floor. He on the floor like any second. He, seconds after he got on the court, checked into the game, he's out on the floor. So 
the new court, the court was new, condensation, and then players diving on the floor, seemingly every possession, all add, added up to a lot of stoppages, towels, knee, towels, mops, etc. And shame on me, I did not look, watch the second game to see if they had similar issues or had no issues. But the Cougs won the game. They play Oral Roberts Monday evening. Game's going to be on ESPN+. Plus. Oral Roberts has, I think, eight juniors or seniors on their roster. So it'll be kind of curious to see how a veteran team handles Houston's pressure defense, aggressive defense, physical defense. But the Cougs will win. I expect them to win because it's a home game. So get there early. Get in your seats. Enjoy the competition. Should be a lot of good guard play. And then I think the Cougs front court will be the difference in the ball game. And then bragging rights for the city Wednesday when Houston hosts Texas Southern. And if you missed it, top of the show, TSU knocked off Arizona State from the Pac-12 by one point in overtimes. The game was part of the Pac-12 SWAC Legacy Series where those two conferences will play games for the next this season and next season. And a few of those games, Pac-12 schools came to HBCU schools, SWAC schools. So the SWAC schools got to host teams from the Pac-12, a Power 5 conference. So good for them. We're going to wrap it up. So we're going to close it out. Andy, how can folks find you on social media? For sure. They can follow me on Twitter at Aonis underscore five. Um, I think the big thing right now on the road, still on the road to 1,000. I still haven't checked um, last much till that. Hey, we're at 480. I just checked right now. We're at 40, so we're getting inching closer away to that midway point of being able to get 500, um, which is will be halfway to our goal. We're on the road to 1,000 on YouTube at PodSlamajama, where you can not only find, obviously, our PodSlamajama podcast, where Dayan and I, weekly podcast, we discuss all things Houston Cougars football, men's basketball, and women's basketball, but um, content throughout your one-stop shop for Houston Cougars football, men's basketball, and women's basketball as well. We had the clip from Calvin Sampson from today's availability. If you want to check out that full clip, be sure to head over to Pod Slamma Jamma, the Pod Slamma Jamma YouTube uh, channel for that. That's P A W D S L A M A J A M A. Only one at the post practice availability, so I guess it's technically an exclusive with Calvin. <laughs> but um, cool, very good. That's that's um, that's where people can find me. Obviously, of course, the at folks talking folks talk sports Twitter account as well. And Andy and I work together, as you obviously know and can see. So chances are, if I'm out at practice, he's at practice and vice versa. So between the two of us, we have UH basketball covered. So just follow him on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter at, at VHR Review. So it's just in these last two minutes, David Vinson, thank you, Joe, Tony M., who would you like to see as the head coach of UH football going forward? Whatever the could move on from Dana Hogerson, who would you, would you like to see as the head coach of UH football for the Cougs in the Big 12? Who is it? That's a name. That's what I wanted to, to discuss here for <laughs> you guys in these final two minutes of the show before we segue into the Admax Corner and Houston Texans recap of the Texans' loss to the Giants. Also available on the Houston Round Bar Review YouTube channel. Just real quick, give me some names. Matt Rule, 
yeah, that, that was the top one that comes to my head just in terms of what he was able to do uh, during his time at Baylor. He showed that he can recruit in the state of Texas. Um, obviously, he, he's comfortable with the Big 12, I think. Um, <laughs> this is the joke, not the serious one, but hey, Bill O'Brien in Alabama? No, I'm joking. No, no, don't get Bill O'Brien. Don't don't get him back in Houston. Um, you know, when it comes to Matt Rule, um, he's kind of the top of the list. Um, the the other name that was mentioned by Dan a couple of times, um, in regards to really um how Arizona's been struggling in the NFL, Cliff Kingsbury. I don't I don't think that's much more likely, but that I mean that's something that would garner a lot of buzz. The big name that a lot of fans started clamming for. Um, in the conference opener when Houston played Tulane, which is it was funny because he was in attendance at TD ECU Stadium, and I think Mark Berman from Fox Twenty Six tweeted out that he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Ed or- Orgeron, or Orgeron, um, who obviously what he was able to do at FSU and, and win a national championship um, down the road in, in Baton Rouge, that that would certainly generate a lot of buzz uh, for the University of Houston. But I don't know. I think just when it comes to new head coach, there'd be a lot of candidates. Um, and I think if you were to move on, obviously there's going to be people um, that are going to be open. I think in particular, Matt, Matt Rule and Coach O would be the two that, that garner the, the most buzz. Now, whether how realistic those two are, I'm not entirely sure. And on that note, let's wrap it up right there. Because as I said earlier in the show, guess the buyouts, like $20 million, but alums have stepped up to how much contribute, donate, how much pledge, how much more than $50 million so far to Houston rise. So alums have money. So if they decide that Dana must go, they can pull the money together and then you ain't out of here. I'm just saying. So on that note, thank you very much to five star properties, our sponsor of post talking sports. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you're wondering, James Mueller is under the weather. He couldn't make it today. And Willie Gibson is covering the Cavs right now. So we're it's the two of us, the duo. Got it down. We hope you enjoyed it. Follow us on Folks Talk Sports on Twitter. The audio, of course, will be available on iHeart, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So until next Sunday, you guys take care. Come to the game this week. We'll see you around basketball games, football games. Let's watch Cougs Monday night after the game. Right, Andy? Uh, yes, sir. After the game. on the, I, I guess we'll, we'll run it back on the court of the Fertitta. Yes, sir. So I see awesome. you tomorrow, Andy. Monday night. We'll Take do. care.